0: This evening, we walked together the last hours of the day before Jesus was deceived by his friend, which led to his death on the cross, which we will remember tomorrow at our Good Friday service. We have heard of the Passover, a time when Jews celebrated the way God set them free from slavery where God gave them safe crossing across the Red Sea into the Promised Land. During their last night in Egypt, God sent the angel of death to kill the firstborn of all families. I want you to think about the sorrow that day, that evening, where all of the firstborn are dead. And to be a Jew, to be redeemed by the Lord, that you were faithful and that God was indeed setting you free. But God, see, he maintained his pledge to be their God by asking the children of Israel to put a sign on their doors to warn the angel of death that he must stay away. God commanded them to kill the lamb and to place its blood on the doors of their homes. And the lamb was eaten with unleavened bread and bitter herbs, much like what we experienced this evening. And this was to help them brace themselves for a long journey ahead, a voyage to the land of milk and honey, the land of Israel the land of Canaan, and the promised land. This evening, as we venture back to our homes here shortly, I hope we remember how God delivered the people of Israel from slavery and how he delivers us from our slavery. Out of sin, he delivers us. See, then we spoke about Jesus and the washing of his disciples' feet that evening. And Jesus instructs us to imitate him in two unique ways this evening. For different reasons, they are both overwhelming. The first is an invitation from Jesus to serve, as he did for us. That evening, by washing his disciples' feet, He expressed his love for his disciples, but made it clear that it was just the beginning. The second was an invitation of Jesus to love as he loves us, to love God and to love our brother. And while we'll dive deeper into this devotion as we center on his sacrificial death tomorrow night, On the cross. This evening, we were able to love and encourage one another by taking the example of Jesus and washing each other's feet and hands, as awkward as that might feel for everyone here. And for some of us, this may have worried you because simply we're not used to people washing our feet and washing our hands especially since, what, a year ago. We're not even used to human contact anymore. When people ask me, can you give me a hug at the end of the door, to me that's such a strange thing because I'm so used to hugs and kisses from growing up in South Louisiana. But consider the reactions of the disciples when Jesus washed their feet that evening. The value of foot washing will not be questioned because they walked every day on dusty roads and open-toed sandals. Now, I don't know how much you guys wear sandals up here up north, but where I'm from, flip-flops was the daily footwear. Your feet gets cracked, dirty. Ricky Lee knows all about about it. He always asked me, Daddy, why are your feet cracked? They did not question the value of the foot washing. It was needed. It was dirty. But oftentimes, when they had their feet washed, it was done by a servant. But that night, it was their Lord Their Messiah did it. See, the church for centuries have washed each other's hands and feet this Monday, Thursday. There's a university um, called Greenville University located in Greenville, Illinois. It's a free Methodist institution. There's not many of them. And you drive on the campus where Some of my youth had graduated high school and started going to school there. And there's a great statue of Jesus washing the feet of his disciples. The one thing I remember. See, washing each other's hands and feet reminds us that loving and serving people is not comfortable, it's not tidy, it's not optional. It is uncomfortable, messy, and a necessary practice. Because as Pope Francis said, let me quote him again, we must smell like the sheep. Smell like the sheep. And as much as I like some nice clothes once in a while, I wonder what Jesus and his disciples would have walked in that upper room that evening. I got to visit that place not that long ago to experience where Jesus was and where Jesus told his disciples that evening that he would be betrayed. And I can only envision Jesus sitting there telling me and telling me that I would betray him. So we proceeded this evening to highlight that meal. That Passover dinner. The last evening that Jesus and his disciples had. See, every single Sunday that we have communion, it makes it so easy to take this meal for granted. This was the first instance of communion, as you probably know. In that upper room, with his friends. The same place he washed their feet, he would be betrayed by one of his brothers. There was a real reason for this meal, I think, and it was done deliberately because both Passover and foot washing are within the communion service. As the Lamb of God is called Jesus a number of times in the Bible, we are told about the Lamb of the Passover that the Israelites killed and ate as we broke and ate bread during communion. They broke the lamb, we broke the bread. See, blood was sprinkled on the doorframe of the first Passover. And the blood was shed on the altar for the next Passover. And it was shed as the offering before God. The blood was so significant. And likewise, while drinking the cup of communion, we note that Jesus, the perfect lamb, was pouring out his blood on our shortcomings, taking our sins upon himself before God the Father to grant us salvation and peace. The blood was necessary for our sins. Powerful. Our sins, our sins that we chose separate us from God, from His love. Right? That our our punishment of sin is death, is hell. But Jesus saves it, saves us all through this powerful statement on the cross that we will soon experience. the act of service of Jesus his torment and his death on the cross was the essence of his service to humanity and in that manner I've said it before from this pulpit he didn't have to die he could have slipped through the nights through the garden and left it all but he said what to God the Father not my will but yours see out of his love and desire to save us all he died for us and when we proclaim the lord's death as paul puts it communion allows us to engage in the supreme act of service it allows us to feel what christ did for us the means of grace And without death, there can be no resurrection. There can be no Easter morning. Without the cross, you can't get an empty grave. And as a consequence, we share in communion. We are reminded of Christ's eternal promises that through his death to save us from sin and death. So I ask you this evening, this Monday, Thursday, the night that Jesus was deceived, to remember the importance of what Jesus did for us, establishing a new covenant, a covenant made with his blood on a cross, that we would not die from our sin, that sin that started in Genesis, when man decided to be like God, they just had to have more. But a new covenant to save us so that we can have eternal life so that every time a member of your family or friends pass away, though there's a time of mourning, there is a time of joy. And celebration of life. Because you will see that person on the other side. Gives us hope, does it not? Gives us joy. So go home this evening with joy. That in the midst of this season of Lent, this season of Holy Week, where we remember the sorrow and the pain, and it's real. And the moment that we forget what Jesus went through is the moment that the church fails. Because, again, sin is costly. There had to be atonement, a payment for our sinful behavior. And that eternal payment was Jesus. So, you take that with you. This I hope you remember that when you walk through your door, that if you were an Israelite, a Jew, you would have put blood across your door. Tell that angel of death to leave you alone. Let us pray. God, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, for his payment on the cross, God, that we can have eternal life. God, we, we praise you. For the freedom found in you. God, that we know we are lawbreakers. We are deceivers. God, and sometimes we deceive you even by name. God, sometimes we do it unintentionally. Your disciples cried out, Lord, not me. Not me. I'll die for you. But God, often we choose to do quite the opposite. We choose to live for ourselves rather than you. We choose to, to think of the things of the world, God, and not you. God, we humbly repent on our hands and our knees, God, for you this evening. God, we cry out to you as a tax collector. God, have mercy on me a sinner. God, we are unworthy. God, you clean us. God, you make us white as snow. It's of your blood. We praise you. We pray all of this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us stand together this evening.